Beast High. Hello, podcast folks. It's Wildcat Minute, where we talk about High School Musical 2, one minute at a time. I am Condra. And my name is Tyler. And today we're talking about Minute 104 of High School Musical 2. Minute 104 starts out with Sharpay saying, My brother, Ryan Evans. And ends with Troy and Gabriella looking over their friends. Condra, we're, we're so far into this movie that we've lost all sort of like number associations. I tried to come up with a joke for 104, but I unless it's like a, a very high FM radio station, I, I don't know what to, to riff, riff upon. There's still so much more. <laughs> but anyway, Sharpay is holding the Star Dazzle Award and she does a pivot and decides to give the award to her brother, Ryan Evans. Wow. Can you believe it? Kelsey can't. Do you see her face? <laughs> think- like her face in the background? She like is like absolutely shocked and then she gets so excited for him. It's really okay, cute. There's like there's a couple things to talk about here. One, I guess that earlier in this podcast I predicted that they would give it to Kelsey. Mm-hmm. But it it become it all becomes very different once it's like it becomes Sharpay deciding to shift the award from herself to someone else. Like as an act of selflessness from Sharpay, it makes more sense for her to give it to Ryan because that's like her character dynamic is between her and Ryan more than between her and Kelsey. Yeah. I liked that that was what happened for Sharpay as a character, even though, you know, at the end of the day, has Sharpay like ever earned it? These sort of like minor redemption things? Not really, but sure. Okay. She'll go back to being a jerk in the next movie, I guess. Hard to say. Yeah. It's, How did you feel about it's, that? It's so expected because it is very similar to what happened in the first movie where she was just like to Gabriella, like break a leg. That means good luck in theater kind of thing that like you kind of saw it coming, but it's it doesn't teach kids great things. Like, it's very reductive to what being a good person means. Like, even though Sharpay did this, I still wouldn't consider her a good person. Like, yeah, it's like we like everyone knew she was getting the award. So it still just reflects better on her to pretend to give it to someone else. Like, and it's not like she gave it to Kelsey or Gabrielle. Like, it's her brother who, like, technically won the other ones, too. Yeah, that too. I was like, Ryan, like they were partners when they were winning them before. I guess Sharpay probably took credit for them, but, and it's nice for her to like give some credit to her brother, but like he was also involved before. Yeah. It's about giving the people that never get the chance to win a chance. Yeah. And like this would have been a, if she would have given it to Kelsey, it would have been a really big step in her like showing Kelsey that she has worth and like, that she actually respects her. <laughs> yeah. And there's a couple other things going on here, but I'm I'm glad we're glad we're on the same page about this like whole like okay, great. Sharpay gets to take credit for being nice when we all know that she didn't. Mm-hmm. Um that she didn't really care. There is good background acting, as you said, from Kelsey and Chad and everyone Taylor else. Taylor has some, a good Char- reaction. Like, she turns straight to Ryan and, like, starts giving him a big hug, which is, like, interesting because, yeah, presumably with Taylor's position over the summer, she probably did grow close to Ryan to some extent. 
Well, we wouldn't know because there's only two Taylor scenes in this whole movie, and they're both her telling Gabriella how boys are. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it seemed to me like Ryan was the least surprised of everyone. Like, everyone else was surprised, and Ryan seemed like he was pretending to be surprised, and he didn't really <laughs> care that much. Well, my guess is it's he's thinking in the back of his head, like, of course she gave it to me, like, just still trying to play herself up as the best person here kind of thing. Like, sh- he saw through her false sincerity. <laughs> and is like Her ruse, yeah. Like, Ryan, not Lucas Grabeel, but Ryan is a good enough actor to, like, pretend to be surprised in this moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so he does the whole, like, who, me? And then, like, hands over his mouth type thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like, over the top in a way that feels appropriate for Ryan. Yes. And then when Sharpay's about to hand him the trophy, she does, like, a fake out or is like, nope, actually, I'm keeping it. And But it's just, like, a joke, and then she hands it to him. She's like, ha, 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 and then gives him a big hug. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. I, you all know I'm secretly a selfish person, but oh, well, I, you know I'm being nice just for show right now. Yeah, I feel like we've seen this from other people like in other movies that this isn't like it's i guess like the complete opposite of caddy at the end of um that i just do it it's katie oh my god i just did the mean girls joke like irl when she like breaks up the prom queen crown at the end of the movie and is like giving it out to people there's a like you buy the sincerity there of like her reformation where like here it's like yeah no there's there's no realness behind Sharpay here. I think we need to do a, a Mean Girls episode during the um interval hiatus. See the problem is someone has covered Mean Girls. Yeah, I think it's just as a singular movie as like review. a one off cuz you really haven't seen yeah. it, have you? I haven't seen it since I was a literal, like, six-year-old child. Okay, yeah. I mean, I watched that movie. I've watched that movie a couple times recently. Well, not, like, sat down and watched, but, like, my teens keep picking it's it up. It's been on in the background. Yeah, my teens keep picking it up and putting it on our TV in the teen room. And I'm like, heck yeah, guys. Love that you're loving this. This is awesome. So, Yeah, I, so just add that onto the pile of movies yeah. that we've mentioned and feel like yeah, we should maybe sp- talk about at some point. Spice Girls. <laughs> Okay, Spice World is completely arbitrary though Yeah, but it's it's pretty iconic And yeah Wait, I think we were talking about Greece In between episodes Yeah But we do need to have a We do need to have an on-air episode about Greece And then maybe about Greece too But just to be silly For just to be silly and realize how awful that movie Like, is Poor Michelle Pfeiffer What's better, Grease 2 or High School Musical 2? High School Musical 2, 100%. It is not wildly offensive all the time the way Grease 2 is. It just has one mild, like offensive bit that wasn't supposed to be there. Uh, oh so God. after Ryan gets the award... We'll have to mark we Grease 2 the- as explicit, though, when we talk about it. <laughs> Just because the contents are going to disturb people. Yes. Um, Sorry, Ryan Ryan is given the award. He. We cut to Vance and Vivian 
in the crowd. And they're they're like, that's my boy. They're so happy yeah. for him. Big smiles from, from the Evanses. Vivian is like crying a little bit. And, and Vance is like, that's my boy. And he's trying to be like, hey, dude, fix your hat. Which, which is like a callback to earlier. Bolton, Montez, you have a callback. But he, there's nothing wrong with his hat. It's a fedora and it's straight on his head. It's maybe pulled down a little low, but like that's how fedoras are so kind of supposed to be worn in that time. So like, no, Vance, you're wrong. Yeah, because earlier it was with like a baseball cap. Yeah, right? yeah, and it was sideways. Well, like diagonal. Yeah, so that makes sense because they were like golfing. Yeah, but yeah, f- you're totally right. Like the whole fedora fashion, like it's not like he has the hat on like in a upside particularly, down. Particularly, yeah, or even in a way that's like supposed to like be appropriative or like signaling some sort of like cu- cultural association. It's just like. A guy wearing a fedora, like, you can't get much more complicated than that. Yeah. I guess an older person would wear it more upright, and a younger person would wear it, like, more tight over their brow. Yeah. And, like, TBH, this is, like, his least exciting hat. It's just, like, a tan, <laughs> kind of, like, s- straw-looking fedora. Like, it's boring. It's got, like, a black rim around it, yeah. I guess. There's, yeah, there's no standard. pizzazz to it. Even his like standard suit. fedora. Yeah, he is not his most pizzazzed in this song or in this. Well, I guess in other context, Ryan is like in a in a dance number with Sharpay where like everything is supposed to be eleven out of ten. Yeah, so maybe this is his true fashion. Although I guess like a regular like when he's wearing just regular outfits, like sometimes they're in bright colors, but they're not like Garish. overly exuberant. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end of this sort of celebration moment climax here. Yeah. They all like all the the cheerleaders and the dancers all like swarm Ryan as he lifts up the trophy over his head. You can still kind of see him, but like the the wildcats have have encompassed him. And then there's kind of like an overhead, like just the trophy shot. Yeah. That very traditional. That's fun. That, yeah, yeah that. like, okay, a shot of someone holding up a trophy. Yeah, totally. We even had that in the first movie, too, because they got a trophy in that movie. Yep. Always has to be a trophy. Well, that way you know who and, wins. <laughs> and who and, dies. Oh, wait, wrong movie. <laughs> yep, it's Game of Thrones. <laughs> there is no middle ground. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we S- cut out of this very... Do, emotional high. Do we think there was a commercial break here in this fade to black? We'll be right back to the movie on Disney Channel. I don't know. Did it fade to black or did it just kind of like cut? I don't. Eh. It's one of those because of the scene behind, like we're moving to a dark nighttime scene. Maybe. Yeah. I, you know, I, we, I feel like we haven't to look had out a, for these things. Yeah. I feel like we haven't had a, an, an option for a commercial break in a while too. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. Especially because, so basically when the next scene starts, it's nighttime, and we cut directly into background singing of You Are the Music in Me. Kelsey That's singing Gabriella over. Gabriella and 
Kelsey harmonizing. Yeah, it, it's the exact same recording that we heard in the rehearsal room earlier. Like, it's Kelsey starting out and then Gabriella joining in, then Troy joining in. Like, Yeah, so maybe you're right that there is a commercial break there. We'll have to... Maybe on YouTube or like some deep cut thing, there's like a rip of this movie with the original commercials. Mm. That would be interesting. That's something. Yeah, that's something not for like the minute by minute analysis, but it's something we should consider like investigating. Yeah, like the credit, the couple credits we have maybe to look. (laughs) Yeah, although it would be pointless now because the third movie doesn't have commercial breaks. Yeah. But it's it's hard to find those commercial things, so it's not it's it's not our fault. Yeah. Well, when they (laughs) edit it for DVD release, they like shorten the fade to blacks and stuff. Yeah. But anyway, it's nighttime, and all of our favorite characters are walking up the crest of a hill, Um, presumably um, on the golf course of the country club. Pin all of our favorite characters. (laughs) Yes. It's a bunch of the big ones. Yeah, I mean, okay, so let we'll go down the line, and then I want you to say, like, who of among our favorite characters isn't here that isn't, like, an adult who wouldn't be in this scene anyway. So in the middle, we've got Troy and Gabriella. Mm-hmm. And then to their right, we've got Taylor and Chad. Yep. Those are the, those are the couples that we know are couples. Yeah. And then, then we get the wild cards just to the sake of pairing. <laughs> yes. It's very awkward and very, you know, straight washing slash forced coupling. Yeah. So however you want to. Yeah. We get the renewed pretend coupling of Zeke and Sharpay. Yeah. Which I guess, you know, at the end of the day, Sharpay is like glad to have someone she can lean her head on his shoulder. But. Based on everything we know about her, like she's never actually, other than the the, the, the cookies, cookies thing at from the earlier, end, yeah. I might even make you a creme brulee, <gasps> which was kind of just like a throwaway joke. Like we've like this arc has never continued. But you know, teenagers are they, fickle. They, they, they will they will pretend to be interested in someone just to have someone hang out with for an evening. Yeah, that's fine. I'm sure Zeke isn't complaining. No, and then we get this weird Kelsey and Jason again. Yes, and Kelsey's like very much clinging to Jason. Yeah, it's like maybe she's uncomfortable in the shoes she's wearing, or like her feet got wet or something, and she's like, <laughs> "Ugh, wet feet, the worst." Because she couldn't, she couldn't possibly be that romantically interested in Jason. No. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, Ryan and Martha. Yes. Well, this to me is the the very clear like. Oh, we're not allowed to um, go to the prom alone or with sa- same gender couples. So I guess we're going together. <laughs> yeah. And not to say that Martha is also implied queer, but. They haven't coupled her off with anyone else. Yeah. Like it would make more sense here, here to pair Kelsey and Ryan and Jason and Martha. Like, if we need Martha here, if we need that final pairing, Jason and Martha. Yeah. Even yeah. though one's Jason- really smart and one is not. That that could be cute, though. That, that could be a cute character dynamic if they looked into it. Yeah. Because the, the dynamic they're going for now is, like, Kelsey is a kind of dainty girl and... 
Jason is kind of a manly man, and isn't that a <laughs> juxtaposition? But manly man? that's not really any. Well, that's that's what they think they're going for, but he's not like a manly man. Like surfer in the first movie, dude. he like did the basketball shot thing yeah. with her. Like, yeah, he's like a surfer dude type. Yeah, so, but yeah. I definitely agree. Ryan and Kelsey would definitely be better as like a. Yes, everyone can figure out that we're not dating, but we're clearly very good pals and we can like do boy girl things together like that. Yeah, that would make a lot more sense than Ryan and Martha. I think Ryan is just, you know, charming whoever he's with. So, yeah, Ryan's a Ryan's a great friend to all. And it's never a bad time. Ryan gets like 15 promposals. Yeah. Because everyone wants to go with him because they know he's going to dress up just as much as they will. And it's like, yes, you'll have someone to match color with. And he's going to want to dance. Yep. And he'll wow. be okay if, like, the guy that you secretly have a crush on, like, asks you to dance. He'll be like, yeah, heck yeah, girl. <laughs> wow. That, th- these movies are really missing a prom prom subplot. Um, 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 maybe the third one will have that? Next senior year. <laughs> like it's a cliche for like high school movies to do that but it's 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 built in tension is what it is it's like there was a prom in the next karate kid and i was like why <laughs> like it it establishes clear like stakes and rules for what's going on like okay it didn't for next dance. karate kid though it just happened you have to ask someone out yeah sorry anyway I'm going to be, um, oh, I I had to watch it this week and it was just weird. (laughs) Anyway, so out of those 10 people, who's not there? That's what I didn't understand. Um, so I guess if you want to like, yeah, these are all like the named characters and stuff, but my favorite characters are like Fulton and Darvis and like, they are not here, (laughs) which I know makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Couple Darvis and Fulton. What are you, chicken? Producers 15 <laughs> years ago? I mean, I think we could all agree that that's perfect. Uh, yeah, it's Chef's Kiss. That That is the new movie I want to see. I want to see them. <laughs> all right, that'll be our last DCOM of the Week segment for the um, for No, the we actually have our, our last DCOM of the Week segment. Okay, our, our second to last. Our penultimate, yeah. We'll be pitch the Fulton and Darvis movie. <laughs> The spinoff. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, so they're just like climbing. I think this is the same hill that Troy started bed on it in. Or it it looks it. It's a it's a classic hill. Yeah, we've we've seen similar shots throughout the movie before, but they're all carrying these like giant lanterns that seem very cumbersome. Yeah. And presumably don't have flame. They don't seem like paper lanterns that are the sp- like the kind that you're supposed to like let float away either. No, they're definitely like, not. They they're way seem too big like, for that. They're too big and they they do seem too heavy. Like they seem like they have like a wire frame. Were they the centerpieces in the tables? I don't know. I just thought Seems of that. I was like, maybe possible. Are they in the same outfits? No, they have changed. Because Gabrielle so is wearing something new, and Sharpay's yeah, not like in her shiny silver. Maybe it's a new. Seems like maybe it's a brand new day and the sun is high. Um, no, that's a Dr. Horrible reference, Tyler. Um, yeah, um, it's confusing. Yeah, it's just like a weird. It is. It's it's the centerpieces of the tables. 
Well, Tyler, we can tell it's a different time because Chad has a saying on his shirt. Oh, yes. Yeah, and that's what, yeah, briefly we can talk about what everybody's wearing because they're mostly just kind of wearing like casual clothes. Yeah, like jeans and t-shirts and like yeah. basketball shorts and, and like yeah. Gabriella's got a nice-ish dress, but it's not like fancy or anything. It's just like a well, casual dress, same with Sharpay. I'm looking at the shot of all 10 of them and maybe Zeke is wearing basketball shorts, but. Yeah, Jason's got khakis Jason is on. wearing like a stripy shirt and khakis. Martha's got jeans on. Yeah. Yep. Ryan's got like a plain fedora and a plain stripy shirt. Kelsey's got her usual like hat, long t-shirt and, and capris Sharpay's on. Sharpay's in a white dress. Taylor's just in sort of a, a normal blouse and shorts. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I was thinking the other day, you know, in the third Harry Potter movie when they start just wearing normal clothes? Yeah. <laughs> That that was such a bold like marketing decision. Yeah. Because like if you if you look at the poster for the Prisoner of Azkaban, they're just wearing normal clothes. Yeah, they're wearing like it's the at the end of the movie like the pink sweatshirt and the the blue t shirt. Yeah, the blue zip up. Yeah. Um, so that's what that reminded me of here is like, oh yeah, we associate these characters with like their fancy outfits or their like basketball uniforms. Yeah. But. Really, they just wear normal clothes. Well, like, Chad almost always wears normal clothes because he's got his famous T-shirts. Yeah, so right now Chad is wearing a a T-shirt that it's blue and the letters on the front say, he did it. All in caps. It it does not make it clear whether it's like a a Jesus or God he did it. I don't think so, (laughs) because... If we're running off of the same mindset of the first movie where these are all just things that Corbin Blue said that get put on the shirt, then it's just like... Yeah, but he did it as such a, a non... Well, it could be like, it, a, it, he did it! Troy figured himself out and got back together with his friends, or like Chad well, that's being what, like, he did it, it. I, I got the girl, and we have That would be interesting yet. if like Chad... If Chad was wearing a series of T-shirts throughout the movies that like subtly referenced the plot. Yeah. (laughs) Critiqued the social changes. Or like or if the shirts like changed like within scenes. (laughs) That would be Whoa, that'd be very like high concept. You'd question reality. (laughs) We'd have so many more like is this a dream sequence conversations. I think that's like a good idea for like a comedy movie though. Like if a character just had like had a shirt that kept changing similar to in sorry to bother you when the main character looks at a photograph of his dad and every time he looks at the photograph that the the dad in the photo is like giving a different facial reaction depending on like how Cassius is feeling about himself Mm -hmm. like if he thinks his dad would be happy the dad is smiling if he thinks the dad would be disappointed then he's like got his face over his palm or something like it'd be interesting if you could do that but with like character shirts yeah <laughs> but anyway yeah they're all outside they're outside. they're looking up at the stars they see a shooting star when we do the close-up on their faces and like we're panning down the line before the shooting star i'm pretty sure that's a green screen behind them just because like some of their hair sticks out in weird ways and it's like hmm I don't think this is real. Oh, that's interesting. 
I'm not going to disagree with you, but I, I think sometimes, you know, if you have like a really bright, like starry night, like sometimes it just looks fake. Like sometimes like, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction mm-hmm. in that sort of way. Like nature is like so beautiful that you're like, it can't possibly look like that. Well, it's it's not so much that it's more like the it looks separate. Like there's a planal difference. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But um we haven't talked a lot about the fact that they're just playing You Are the Music in Me right now. Yeah, like, I think we're we're def- avoiding that a little bit cuz it's a little annoying. <laughs> it definitely fits the vibe of like okay, we're settling back down and listening to a, a mellow song. But they now. just like ran out of music. We've heard this song now. Yeah. Three times, not including the instrumental times we've heard it. Like, and it's weird that it like this song became the centerpiece of the movie. Yeah, I just because it didn't feel like it didn't feel like as emotionally central to the the plot or the characters. Like, maybe in the first movie, the song that they auditioned with, which was the one that we always blank on the title and call it, it's hard to believe that I couldn't sneeze. (laughs) What I've been looking for? It's hard to believe that I couldn't sneeze. See? Next! Yeah, like that that song felt more catchy, and it was the same thing where they did the two versions of it. Yeah. But... It's it's just weird. I don't, we don't even need to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, and but it like it definitely matches the vibe. It's funny because like we're hearing the it's echo that echoes inside my head, and I'm like the only thing I'm hearing right now is Troy singing above the noise in his weird <laughs> '50s version of it, and I'm like this does not work in my head right now. So yeah, so here we are in the sort of mellow scene and. Earlier when I did predictions, I was like, okay, if it's the big climax and then they're maybe going to like all kind of settle down and and do something quiet together Mm -hmm. where they like reflect on the year that's about to come. And that vaguely seems like what's about to happen or what is happening. Yeah. But it kind of everyone else kind of walks away and then we leave on a shot of Troy and Gabriella, which is good because I want to see where this character dynamic has led to. Yeah. Did did Gabriella actually forgive him? (laughs) <laughs> it'd be great if she was like you know we did that whole song together and I'm holding your hand now but I still don't forgive you and you still need to make it up to me that would be powerful that would be um, and yeah it seems like if they didn't end the movie at the end of like the the big group song they're probably not like they could end the movie at the end of like the quiet moment between just the our, our close knit characters but it as far as I know, like we've still got a few more minutes to get through, and I'm like, what, what could we be lingering on here? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're gonna give me forced conclusions, can you force the conclusion a little faster, please? <laughs> yeah, it definitely is taking its time, and I think that's unfortunately like somewhat a product of the 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 format we're doing. I don't feel like I felt like this was stretched out as much. Because these, Fair. S- but also like it, like you can't deny like looking at it. You're like, yeah, this is it, long between. It moments. has more to do with like 
the the fact that I had to like predict this and I'm like, okay, like what I'm I'm really lingering on like every every minute or two of this movie, like waiting for something to happen that feels decisive. Mm-hmm. Well, but anyway, you wanna, you wanna, it, it's sweet. Yeah, it, it's it's concluding. We can feel the end coming. <laughs> the end is nigh. Indeed. So do you want to talk about DCOMs? I would love to talk about a Disney Channel original movie. Are we talking about a real one or are we making one up today? We're going to make one up today. So today for you, I have I have a weird one. Um, I think it's going to turn more into a show maybe than a, than a movie, but maybe we can figure okay. out how to do a movie of it. Um, let's, and this one's maybe not middle grade and more like younger, but I still think a middle grade audience would be into it. It is the Magic Treehouse series by Mary Pope Osborne. Okay. The Magical Treehouse. Yeah, that does seem ripe for like a Disney Plus show. It does. And I'm like surprised it hasn't really been touched by anyone. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a Mary Pope Osborne thing or like a, a just like public thing. Because it's very episodic, but I also think it could excel as, like, a single movie. Like, you get Have the- we not talked about this before, either? I no. Feel like- we maybe have, like, talked okay. about it in passing, but, like, not done it as a... a I think de- we- No, we did I Survive, Ty. Okay, I think we've done, like, similar type pitches. Yeah. And, like, we've maybe said, like, it ends up kind of being, like, a Magic School Bus type thing. No, not Magic School Bus, Magic Treehouse. That's my other thing. <laughs> Magic School Bus is, is better. Uh, um, agreed. Miss <laughs> Frizzle is the bomb. So, Much better than Merlin. So, Dinosaurs Before Dark is the first. Isn't it Dinosaurs After Dawn? No. <laughs> I think it's before dark. It's before dark. It is. I'm just. Um, so we got Jack and Annie, who are the main characters of the Magic Treehouse. And they are children. Brother, who, sister pairing. Yeah. They are curious about the world. They like to explore. Annie's I don't remember any. precocious. Jack is a nerd. Yeah. I like, it seems like they're just like the most generic possible character traits for like an edutainment book series. Yeah. <laughs> and for an edutainment television series, it will be, you know, the same thing. You get your kids maybe, you know, I guess we'll it's the sort of thing where you little. cast them young and they, you either cast them young and, you know, for the first season, they're, you know, the same age as the characters are supposed to be. And then over time they grow up. Do they age throughout the books? They do like a little, but not really. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the one thing I was thinking upon though is a treehouse. <laughs> yeah, I think this would be cool as a film, though. I I, I don't want to discount the film option because I think you could do like budget, especially if doing dinosaurs after dark or before dark, like to get the animation there, like get the effects. Okay, so I like that idea because it's very obvious what it would be if it was a series. So what would we have to do to make it a movie is is a, is a better challenge. Okay. And I think so, aging them up, first of all, because like fourth and second grade or whatever they are in the books just does not seem appropriate. I'd actually be interested in a bigger age gap, like the age gap in like Jurassic World between those two brothers. Oh, that's interesting. I was thinking like, oh, 
who cares if it's like sixth and fifth grade? Like, it seems like one year apart could be fine. I think part of the magic treehouse is that they 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 both are supposed to be kids with a sort of wonder about the world. But Jack it's is about so focused on his books and like he wants to learn the facts and he's very focused on like the accomplishing the tasks for Merlin. And sometimes like when Annie gets into the danger situation, she's like, why did you do that? And I think that <laughs> would be more fun if there was like an age difference and it was like a reluctance, like like a newly formed family, like they're not siblings by blood. Um, All right. It's like a step, step siblings. like step siblings, and this treehouse thing of Jack's has been like his sanctuary. And like since Annie moved in, he's dr- she's driving him nuts, so he keeps going out there. And then like Annie stumbles upon it one day and like encounters the isn't there like an owl or something on her way to the treehouse, and is like, oh my gosh, and like throws them into a magical situation, like Jack. Just normally, just had like a normal treehouse, and then all of a sudden, Annie swoops in this magic. It's interesting. It sounds kind of like the conclusion of Bridge to Terabithia. Yeah, I, I just realized as I was saying, it was like, that sounds a little Bridge to Terabithia-y, but... I think, I like where your head's at. I think, put like, giving the age gap and then having like the protective older brother, it, it actually takes away from the characteristics of the characters. Mm-hmm. The char- like, yeah, the characteristics of the characters. Like, if Jack is a little, like, singularly focused and bookish, and Annie is a little carefree and lively, mm-hmm. those characteristics can belong to any two people. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, like, the older one who's more... Jaded. Tainted by the the age of the world and the younger one who's more naive. Like, yeah, I think it would be more interesting if it was like, you know, they were similar age, but one of them, but they had vastly different outlooks on life. Mm. Okay, I think that's a dynamic you don't get enough because it's always like the older one learns how to be a kid and the kid learns how to grow up a little bit. Yeah, but I think if they're the same age but they just have different life experiences and they're coming together, like you said, if they're step siblings in this, then that. That sort of like finding common ground idea is more interesting and yeah. a little less common in movies. So I, I'm down for that. That sounds good too. So okay. So the stuff you said though about like the Annie is new and she finds the treehouse and when Annie gets there it's magical and so for Jack this is something new and I like I like the idea that like. It's going to sound the opposite of what audiences want, but I want there to be like more real world setup in Mm, this mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, we're really establishing like the, the characters, like they, they maybe go to school once or twice and they're like learning about dinosaurs in class or something. We get their vibe. So it, it gets a little bit to the hunger games problem of like, you spend so long setting up the adventure that like, the big joke is like, okay, when are they going to actually start the adventure? But I think you need to have but, a lot of time in Dinosaur World. And, like, they have to talk with Merlin and crap at the end. Because, like, Merlin doesn't come up until the end of the book. Yeah, I think... For the first one. I think in order to make it feel like a fully fleshed out story, though, you need at least 15 to 20 minutes of, like, 
first act character setup. Definitely. Like, maybe there's something like minorly magical that happens in the real world. Mm, like maybe they encounter Merlin somewhere. Like they're having yeah. an argument down the street or something and like Merlin just kind of appears in front of them and startles them and like shakes yeah, them up. Maybe yeah. Maybe he like there's like a magical man who helps them in an earlier scene and it's revealed later that he is Merlin and he's going to be taking them on these big grand adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a you get a sort of front and back, yeah, tie it all together, story story turnaround thing there. So yeah, I think you know you establish that Jack is kind of established and he's bookish, but he doesn't really like to try things that are new. And Annie comes up and she likes adventures, but she's kind of. She's she's capital T too much at, at the new school, like the first day of school. Like mm-hmm. people think she's new and weird mm-hmm. and Jack kind of maybe does or doesn't stick up for her when she needs it. Mm-hmm. And that creates tension between the characters. And then they connect. They end up connecting over something simple like dinosaurs or animals or science. Yeah. Or history. Yeah. I guess. I, I think we have to go dinosaur like. Maybe just like science broadly and then. I think, well, I guess the, the series as a whole is more about like history. Than... Yeah, but they like still go back to the like Ice Age and just there's a saber tooth tiger. I guess it just, yeah, it depends on if they're trying to franchise it. Do you go for the the cool visual ones or do you go for like because there's like. One in the Civil War and the Revolutionary War, and like they go to ancient Japan. Like, do you pick the really cinematic ones, or do you pick like the Dust Bowl one? Or maybe they're maybe they're really interested in like sociology, and it's not the it's not the history that interests them, but the 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 cultural relativism mm. <laughs> that they're interested in seeing what makes in the human society s- in function sixth in sixth grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's a concept sixth graders understand. Okay, but in general, the idea that they're interested in social studies, which I think is actually interesting because, you know, you get a lot of, like, science kid movies or Mm -hmm. math kid, but, like, social social studies. Yeah. (laughs) Well, History's Kids is a a show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But Humanities Kids, yes. Uh Um. So yeah, they connect over reading a history book. What about language? And what if it's or, like a language lang- thing, and then it's like. But then the language doesn't have anything to do with dinosaurs. But we don't have to pick the dinosaur one as the first one. We just went with that as the first one because it was the first one. But they could go to feudal Japan. Like, no one's stopping us from that. And then Annie could be an anime girl. No. <laughs> Fine, uh, we'll go with dinosaurs. Um, no, I, no, well, I, no, I appreciate you allowing us to free it up. So now it just comes to the sort of like, what is the natural go-to for uh, a setting that would tie together what these characters need neatly in this sort of first arc with them where we're setting up who they are and how they interact with each other. Yeah. Like if they go back to dinosaur times, that it doesn't give them very much of a setup to... You know, Annie needs to try to be more realistic and 
Jack needs to try to be more adventurous. It's like, no, you just go back in time and you try to survive dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So maybe they do go to like a medieval night and mm. Annie gets like reprimanded for being a girl who doesn't know her place and Jack needs to step up and be more chivalrous Mm -hmm. because he wasn't chivalrous earlier. Yeah, I like that. The night and the night one's pretty early on in the series too. So that would like work. It could be the same thing, but in feudal Japan, like I'm sure the gender roles are, you know, analogous. Yeah. And you could do something similar, but that, that kind of seems like what it would be, right? Like it's, you know, part A is the drama happening between them in the real world. And then part B is the same drama happening, but in a fantasy historical setting where it's life and death and it's putting to test the lesson they learned from the beginning and giving them a second chance to show that they care about each other. Because at the end of the day, that's what it is from Merlin. It's like a, it's like a lesson. It's a, it's a Freaky Friday. It's a, yeah. It's a, you need to help me accomplish my magic goals and I'm going to be selfish to utilize your, your willingness to go, but also like you're learning things. So what's the thing that Merlin has them secretly doing while they're learning their character? They like are collecting artifacts and stuff for him. I think it's to like capture Morgana. I think there's like a Morgana plot line at some point. That, like, they're trying to capture Morgana, and then, like, when they find her, she's actually good, too, and it's not actually, like, a bad thing. Or maybe I'm it seems wrong like there. Get, but... It seems like in this in this first one, though, they're going to get accidentally sent back. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, it's a non-intentional so send back. So maybe they don't actually they... know the treehouse is there, but, like, Jack is mad at Annie for something after, like, their encounter with the magical man. They he gets mad at her and storms into the woods behind their house and Annie's like started to follow but like things are changing as they walk through and Jack doesn't notice but Annie does and then they stumble upon like she catches up to him and then the treehouse appears as they like move a branch out of the way. Yes, very Narnia esque. Yeah. So maybe there's like an artifact that Jack or Annie uses to get them out of the situation they're in in. Medieval England or feudal Japan. Yeah. So night after dark, I looked it up. Um, a night at dawn is the second book in the series. So let's just go to medieval Europe first. Okay, great. So to skip the dinosaurs, Jack, go to Europe. Does Jack have a sword or um, maybe like is, a manuscript? Like if we're going okay. social studies, like maybe he has like an illuminated manuscript. Okay. That's interesting. And that's, a book he read or like while maybe he, was... he like the magic man gave it to him he he like magic he like in... stuffed it into yeah in like in their world he like snuck it in his bag a la chamber of secrets and but he like i thought the whole point was that they're bringing it back from the past oh yeah oh right right right, right. sorry i thought you were trying to figure out the mechanism for them traveling to the past cuz i think there's like some book or something that they have to read out loud no, they're traveling to the past. Who cares? They just go in the treehouse and then it's Nardia. Okay. Um, well, no, they pick but, a so, book out of the library in the treehouse to pick where they're going. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. That, that what I'm saying is that's established. We don't need to oh, make okay. that up. Okay, so yeah, I think an illuminated manuscript would be interesting, though. So he finds a cool book that he wants to read. Maybe he realizes that he can't read Gothic script. Yeah, or like it's in Latin. <laughs> but he he tucks it away for later and then forgets that he has it. And when he gets back, Merlin's like, ah, yes, you brought the artifact that I needed you to. You knew you. I implanted a seed that you knew you would be drawn to it, but you didn't quite know why. Yeah, that so. that feels very Merlin-y. And then you have your like, yeah, meeting with the goddess. Except the goddess is Merlin. At the end of the movie, that's like sort of like the and more adventure awaits in the future. If we decide to franchise this, yeah. Conclusion, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. No, that sounds good. I think, I think, yes, it, it makes sense to draw this out into a movie. Like, I'm glad that we did that. Yeah, that way you get, like, the them walking through the dirty village and, like, holding their nose. And um, you can do some slapsticky stuff with, like, a knight, like, Jack being a squire for a little bit and, like, not understanding what it is and... Annie I just like the idea that they don't go to the past for like the first 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. We got to establish <laughs> Like you got to really make them wait. <laughs> but anyway, that was our decom of the week segment that was pitching cool. a Magic Treehouse movie. Mhm. And that was minute 104 of High School Musical 2. Condor, we are approaching the end quickly. We're so close. Where can people find us on the internet? People can find us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds. Or me personally at Tyler Booty, T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y. You can send us an email to AmateurNerdsPresent at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know your favorite Magic Treehouse title pun. Or, like, send us your favorite Magic Treehouse book. Did you read them? Did you read them all? How many were out when you were reading them? I only read the first one. Really? I read yeah. at least the first 20. <laughs> and part of that was like me working in a children's room for it to like. Yeah. But not that I remember many of them. They were all very formulaic. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're all the same. Special thanks to our artist Theo Golden at T Golden Art on Instagram. And our musician Joe Winslow, whom you can find at joewinslowmusic.com. I have been Condra. And I've been Tyler. And we'll see you next time to find out. If Troy and Gabriella kiss and make up, you can bet on it. <laughs>